I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the 2018 MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, our review of round 27 and preview of round 28. This episode is brought to you by the McDuck Foundation, advocating for every MLS t- stadium to have adequate animal seating since 1996. Uh, oh, no, wait. Um, sorry. Actually brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the fantastic subreddit community of r slash fantasy mls i'm your host reed Connolly from mlsfantasyboss.com and tonight i'm joined by my usual co-host michael denton unfortunately blaine could not be with us tonight as he has family in for the labor day weekend that we are celebrating today uh, but i'd also like to welcome our special guest tonight uh, we have todd modisette champion of the 2018 spring fantasy season here with us tonight talking about uh, just what he did and just the chat this general round 28 that's coming up it's short but i think we can still have some interesting discussion from it how is everyone doing tonight doing okay doing good happy to be here great thank you so much todd again uh for joining us for i know i'm looking forward to to having some discussion and i hope everyone listening finds some value in there you you are a champion you it's just not that you're doing really well waiting for these last few rounds to go over. You've already won, so you're still playing now just for the fun of it. Nice to have that one in the bank. (laughs) (laughs) It feels good. Well, we'll get to that discussion, that interview, in just a second. Um, And hello to everyone from MLSsoccer.com who may be joining us uh, to catch the full interview. There is, of course, a a brief section of this interview already posted there that people can go and check out if you want to see some of the highlights from what's coming up in a few minutes here. First, we're gonna break down round 27. It was a major double game week here. Also some major frustrations, I have to say, myself seeing these scores come through. Let's start out talking about our team scores. Uh, Todd, what about you? Uh, My team scored 133 points last week. Uh, It was pretty good week weight. Week rank 325, uh, moved up to 71st overall. It was looking really good on the midweek games, and then uh, Larry's nice absence as a captain sort of cost me a bit in the second half. But overall, still moving up a little bit on the second half, trying to get somewhere up there close to the spring season. Mike, what about you? Uh, I did 124. I also got uh, nipped with the Valeri captain issue. Um, I had to swerve pretty hard from – going with Red Bulls um, to not having really any Red Bulls at all except for Parker and uh, Robles, who did okay, but I think they did um, worse than I expected. Uh, at least I had Wando and Dojkol to kind of make up some of those points. But um, I also had Fisher, who got injured um, before 60 minutes for the DC game, and so that really bit me. So, yeah, kind of a bummer week with all the weird rotations. I don't really know why Valeri was rotated, but he was. Uh, yeah, for myself, I ended up with 124 points. Uh, 
Uh, overall rank now is 105. It went down, I think, a couple. I either went down two or up one. I, I don't remember where I was uh, the previous week. But uh, from what I can tell, from what everyone I've been seeing in the leagues and from the scores right here, uh, if you scored in sort of that the low to mid 120s to maybe the low 130s, you probably saw that you stayed about where you were. Uh, maybe a small change up or down either way, but that was probably about a break-even point for most people. Anyone in those higher 130s and up to maybe in the 160 range, you definitely saw some fluctuations more likely, at least in this top 200 area right here. So uh, pretty regular expectations for a double game week as far, far as those scores go. Uh, I3 got hit by the Valeri captain, and I'm kicking myself because I changed it at the last minute from Acosta to Valeri. And I would have loved to have had 16 more points right there to hit a nice solid 140 overall. But that did not happen. Uh, made some changes myself to the Toronto lineup. Brought in Altador. Happy with his 14 right there. Uh, Burke and Rooney did well for me up front. Uh, brought in Stiber, but I could have hoped a little bit more from him. A lot of it was Red Bulls players really threw me for a loop like Mike was talking about. Doing uh, just a big shift overall keeping some coverage, happy with Robles' 12 in a double game week. It's That's all good. Very pleased, though, I had Morrow come off the bench with eight, and then I had Barrios come off, off the bench with 17 for me right there. Um, and so that was that was a, a nice little bump right there at the end. But, you know, some frustrations for me, I think, overall, because some of the teams just did not perform like I had hoped, even in both legs, like like the Red Bulls is, is one example. We're just going to kind of jump right in. To the section right now, guys. We're just talking about the, the review of these of these teams, and I want to talk about the double game team first. First, I mean, Red Bulls not super impressed with the Houston lineup, and I would have hoped for a lot more from Red Bulls there. And then they come and get hit by Montreal with a pretty good lineup there. I, I know there was some rotation for Red Bulls, but three zero in Montreal, one zero against the Dynamo. Question for you fellows right here. Is this just what you expect from the first team to lock in a playoff spot, or is there some something going on here? Well, I think this is just a natural thing that happens when you have as many games in a row like the Red Bulls did. Since they were coming off a double game week yep. last week and starting one this week, some rotation wasn't completely unexpected and just some general fatigue at this point. And they still seem like a pretty strong group that will be good for the second half, but they definitely have to worry with teams nipping on their heels in the standings. I also pointed for both of the New York teams, since they've been so clearly in the playoffs, I think they've been spending a lot of time doing weird experiments, which is kind of, I think, what happened. Now, I admit I was in a um, room watching Alabama football, which is a bunch of Alabama fans without internet connection. So I don't have the greatest grasp on what exactly happened this week. So you can take everything I say with a grain of salt um, I, since I experienced this weekend in my own personal hell. But, you know, I think they've been doing a lot of experimenting. Um, if you've listened to Extra Time Radio, they've talked a lot about this. I think that's where we get so many kind of wonky results. I think New York City was expected to beat Columbus. New York Rebels was certainly expected to beat poor Montreal. Um, but they've been trying stuff to try to develop more versatility going into the playoffs because neither of them have had any kind of cup success. So I think we've been having a lot of weirdness with that. But um, I mean, I, I wasn't I was expecting them to do some rotation, and clearly they could beat Houston with their B team. I was not expecting them to get shellacked by Montreal. 
Exactly. Uh, speaking of Houston, there that was definitely a B team that they rolled out against the Red Bulls. Uh, we still had Elise up there at top, but a lot of rotation, especially in the midfield there. Uh, still some rotation in their second game against Dallas where they got beat 4-2 right there and then the final, final Texas Derby. Not, I think, a shock for fantasy players. Uh, so it just adds on to there that that uh, Houston is not worth looking at like we talked about last week. Dallas, though, coming up again, a three-game loss. I just got to get that back for a second. That was a crazy one there. A three-game loss against San Jose at the beginning in a 4-3 match, and then a 4-2 win against Houston. So some goals are coming from Dallas. Uh, are you guys looking at some of their players more as we were winding up our fantasy season? Well, I was on Barrios this week for Dallas. Yeah. The huge Rudy game was a pretty bit of a surprise because he had been so quiet lately. But it, it seemed like they could be getting into form. They are adjusting the life without Diaz. And I think each game that they get with the new lineup, I think that'll help them out. Isn't it just so typical of a Rudy where like he just randomly gets like such a massive point week and then you're going to pick him up and then he's not going to do anything in the next three weeks? Yes. No. Yes. That, that, that's, that's what really, but I mean, I think it also helps Dallas that they're playing a whole bunch of more Western conference teams and they're a lot better than the bottom of the barrel Western conference teams. I mean, playing Houston twice in uh, the span of a week is certainly going to help your fantasy um, averages for the three and five weeks. I'm also going to talk about San Jose quickly right here. Got into a discussion on, on Twitter about uh, San Jose players and last week, particularly, I said, do not get San Jose. San Jose is bad. And we highlighted some of the just uncertainty with San Jose about why that's one of the reasons why they're bad. And that was shown, I think, again to us right here, 4-3 win. I don't think anyone would have expected San Jose against Dallas to be a seven-goal game. I think a lot of even the betting lines had this as a low-scoring draw as, as a very high likelihood. But a 4-3 game there, followed up by a 2-1 loss to Vancouver. So that's that's why I don't like San Jose. The caveat that I will concede and give right now is if you are going to get someone from San Jose, you are probably still looking at Vaco. Yeah, maybe you're looking at Wando or somebody else from time to time, but Vaco, he's he's taking shots, he's getting positions, he's he's generating some bonus points. He has a great floor for a fantasy player. Reasonable price, I think it's in the low tens at this point for a fantasy player as well. I just don't like San Jose, and I, I don't think the chance that Vaco would have had a, a point return as he did at the beginning of the season was enough to, to really want to go with him compared to some of these other teams that we had with strong midfield potential from Red Bull, strong midfield potential from D.C., from Portland, maybe even from Toronto that we had going through there that that did not make a potential from San Jose very high. So that's my rant about San Jose, but I will say, yes, Vaco is a guy you could maybe get uh, a decent floor from under the right situation. Uh, moving on, D.C. surprised me a little bit. The win against Atlanta had to happen. They needed to get some points out of this to help close that lead. I'm surprised they dropped as much to Philadelphia, um, the 0-2 loss. Philly is right there with them on that bubble trying to, to secure – that playoff spot so um but they got three points out of it and uh rooney and acosta both came through with some good scores who i think are still the clear dc go-to's uh philadelphia burke got his points toronto 
did not have a great round either for a double game week team. Uh, the the loss to Portland probably expected with the weekend lineup, but then the double loss to LAFC uh, back at back at home uh, was kind of a killer. Goals came from who you expect from LAFC, but with some of the defensive overturn, we thought I thought at least I think Mike and and Phil also agreed that there was uh, more options for more opportunities for scoring for Toronto and Gio and, and Altador hooked up and made that happen for themselves, but just not enough. So watch that going forward with Toronto. They, they've got to get results. They've got to get results going forward. Um, single game week teams, Seattle is in their usual late season form. Now it's without Dempsey. So deuce is loose and it's no longer for Seattle. Uh, WTF and RSL again, six goals. Uh, you guys take or pass on RSL going forward. Uh, I think you have to take them at this point when they're at home, at least. I mean, that's six goals the week before was a red card bonanza. That one was easier to write off, but going out this hard again with six goals, even against a terrible galaxy defense, it's pretty impressive how well Real Salt Lake's doing in the playoff chase. And I think their attack is looking pretty good for fantasy. Well, I'll take them at home when they play terrible opponents. And guess what? Their next opponent is Minnesota at home. And Minnesota will probably be without like a bunch of their team for a bunch of red cards. So for the next team, you should probably look at um, RSL. I mean, both Rosnack and Krilach have been racking it up re recently. So worst comes to worst, you get a price gain. So definitely someone to look at in the future. Other than that, I, I don't know if I still trust RSL against some of the better teams in the league that have better defenses. But, um, I mean, as of right now, you know, when they're playing against a weakened team, you know that they're going to rack something up. Take another six-point game then, Mike? Against Minnesota? Yeah, easy. <laughs> uh, final game I'm going to point out before I let this go to you guys to add anything that you may want is Columbus versus New York City. Uh, Columbus got the 2-1 win. Sorry, Mike, for that one. Um, but I just want to point out, Maram grabbed a goal in that one. He's 5.5 million. Could be a good switcheroo option going forward with Columbus. And then uh, Tajori also got the lone goal for New York City FC. 10 million midfielder. I think he's a great option going forward. I'll let Mike speak more to that coming up. You can do it now, too, if you want to, but I'm sure you'll have stuff to say in our in our pick section. Um, but some good value. He's a, bad week. He's, a, he's a bad option this week. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm talking about there's a few more rounds after this week, Mike. No, there isn't. There's only this round. It's <laughs> only this round. There's only that. Uh, that. And maybe that should be the mantra for all fantasy players. There's only this round. That's that's what it is. Go big or go home. Uh, those are some takeaways I think uh, were worth mentioning from, from round 27. Uh, Todd, Mike, anything you want to add? Just that this fall season, we're almost halfway through already. So just make sure that you're taking advantage of those double weeks. If you're on the fence on a safe choice or a riskier choice, it might be good to pick the risky choice because there isn't that much season left, even though it just started. I think that's some, some great advice to – just transition us into our next segment right here. This is our interview with Todd. And as we said, he won the spring season. So that's that's his cred for you right there. If if that's not enough, though, Todd, why don't you just go ahead and tell us some about your history with fantasy sports and in particular in the last 
Sure. So I first started Fantasy MLS four years ago. And at the time, I pretty much knew very, very little about the league. Maybe I knew about the names of about 10 players. I had some friends who were Dynamo season ticket holders who they wanted to start up a fantasy league this year. And what they knew is that I played tons of other fantasy sports. I probably do five or six basketball, football, baseball leagues each year, play some money leagues. And I thought, okay, I'll get into this. I actually missed the first week that season and didn't have any team. And so started a week behind, but ended up starting getting it, getting into it, following the stats. And I finished 53rd overall, which at the time got me a scarf. That was that back in the scarf days of the prizes. So finishing the top 60 on the first year without even playing the first week started to get me into it. And then started to pay attention a lot more, finding the podcast, finding the articles. And that's definitely helped me these past few years. Last year, I finished fourth. And it was once I started getting near that area in the spring season, it was definitely my goal to finish number one, because that's a pretty rare opportunity. That's that's a fantastic way to – sorry, I'm, I just totally lost what I was going to see because I was just impressed with with that. I was remembering the, the scarf days myself and, and how coming back from that – at uh, 100 range to getting up to the fourth and then coming from first, that's uh, your friends are probably kicking themselves right now for uh, getting you into this whole fantasy thing with them. That's that's got to be intense when when you're you're playing this game. So uh, what so to get that first place? So what did you do when you saw you won? When you when you finally when the last point and adjustment had been made and you were still number one? How did you react? So the last day of the Spring season was that big double game week where the first didn't even look like that week was going to be part of the season. So I thought it was closer on the week before then to having it wrapped up. And then there was going to be a huge week with lots of points left. And on that final day, there was two games left with one big one with the Seattle Sounders and the other big one with the Galaxy. And we, it was a captain showdown essentially between me and second place. I had Lodero and he had Ibrahimovic. And I decided just to go see a movie during the first game because all I would do is just check my phone every two minutes and yell things when things went right or when things went wrong. So I saw a movie during the game and came back to a good lead, which I thought was pretty good. And then uh, Zlatan happened to hang 22 points in the last game to actually make it a showdown, a pretty tight finish for first and second place. But after that was wrapped up, uh, cracked open a bottle of champagne, celebrated the victory, nice. gave, a me- gave a message to those friends who introduced me to the league four years ago. Thanking them for that, so it was a fun <laughs> outcome. Well, oh, that's that's a way to celebrate. Well, and put about ice ice in your veins going to see a movie. I think a lot of people are going to be interested in in your general strategy and just some of the tips you can give there. But before we get into that, I want you to take a short moment to reflect just on the spring season as a whole, because I want to know what stands out to you. And you can do more than one if you'd like, but at least your most memorable high from your picks or whatever that happens from, from the spring season and your lowest moment, your most memorable low from that time. Uh, so I think my most memorable high point from the season was it was around the early weeks in like the eight to 10 range. And, Piotti was being a pretty big fantasy troll at that time. He would come up with one big week and several dead weeks. And I managed to hit him on both his 19 and 22-point weeks and put him in the lineup while other people did not. And that's that's probably how I initially got in that top 5 to 10 range. 
by just getting those Piotti weeks just right when he hit big. So that that was a definitely a memorable part of it. And the low point would probably be the week before the final week. I was moving into a new house, and with the change this year to where you could see other people's lineups, I was trying to be tricky, put in bench players, and then put in my starters at the last minute. And I missed Lodero right when he went off for a two-goal game. And I was tracking those points all during the last week. If I lose by that total, I'm going to be so mad that I just try to be tricky and hide my lineups, and it would come back and cost me. But it was a happy ending, so the low point just stayed as a memory instead of something that really stuck with me. Oh, that would have been tough. That would have been I, – well, I remember how bitter I was to having that yellow card from Zlatan to knock me out of the top 100, so I can only imagine how, how that pill would have been to swallow. Okay, well, let's get to strategy now. Um, what was your approach? I know we have, as I phrase it in, in the article that we did, we we all have dozens of first teams whenever we're crafting our initial round one lineup, just testing things and looking at the points and checking lineups and, and the results of, of pregame, of preseason. Uh, but what was your ap- approach to building your team at the start of the season? So at the start of the season with the 100 million budget, it was definitely a lot harder to fit in a lineup than the year before. It gotten used to being able to pick a lot of stud players, and now all of a sudden it was hard just to finish a starting 11. So the initial approach on that part of the season was to go five defenders, which was not the strategy at all the year before, but they were cheaper. They got you a steady stream of points. So that was the best thing to start off with. And then there's also tracking the new price change system, which luckily there's a good fantasy community out there who started figuring out how is this going to work. And so it was a big way of trying to play both price rises and the optimal points in the early going. So I think that's a big focus at the beginning of the season of just making sure you can fill out a lineup with full players, but also see how you can get players who will rise in price. I think you were uh, one of the big movers of that community, weren't you, Mike? Uh, I don't know if I'm about one of the movers, but I mean, we talked a lot about it on the pod and try to have discussions with other people. Uh, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where uh, I know uh, Andrew Carolla did a lot of work trying to run um, algorithms to kind of pick up some of the tips. But I mean, just trying to look at to see and kind of get some trends, I think helped a lot of people just because at the very beginning, no one had any clue and we got pretty much silence from uh, MLS. So it was up to the community to kind of get you know, what are the factors that we have? And I think once we got that, um, we got a lot of of progress. So I'm glad to hear that it helped out Todd. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So starting strategy, that's pretty good, but that starting strategy isn't what carried you through through the whole season. And it's, it's kind of, I guess, uh, a lame question just to say, well, what'd you do to win? Well, I got more points than everybody else. Uh, How did you see your team building strategy uh, change as you got closer to winning the spring season? Well, a pretty big thing early on was sort of the inflection point of deciding when you're going to start forgetting about the price changes so much and just purely go on the best players each week. And that was probably in the 8 to 10 range. And that also really made the switcheroo a big part of any top lineups is that you got a chance to see some big lineups if you put some players on your bench, especially for clean sheets. And so that became a big part of the strategy. If your high-risk offensive players or your clean sheets were on the bench at the beginning of the, of the week, 
you could end up with a lot of points because even if they screwed up, you could put it in someone else. And then when it started getting near the end, that was probably more of the time where I started checking the teams around me since the lineups are visible this year, no matter what size league you're in. If you start getting near the end, it's probably a good idea to start checking around and see, wait, did I just miss out on somebody that every other player has? Then it may not be worth leaving them on the bench. So sort of a steady stream over the course of the season of changing the strategy to be work with the new budget and the new switcheroo strategies. Sort of hedging your bets there that you guys are all going to rise and fall together. That's right. Yeah. If you're all going together and at the time I had the first place around week 12. So if you, I could just hang on as long as I hit some of my other picks that were a little different. Uh, so we have, you've mentioned the budget a couple of times as we've been talking, we've had a reset with, with the budget this year and, and we've, we've heard you're, you're doing pretty well. Top 100, top 75, I guess at this point, um, how hard has it been for you to go from the plethora of points of, of value that you had at the end of spring back to a 100 million budget? Well, it's a pretty big change, but honestly, I sort of liked it better once we went back to the 100 million budget because it all of a sudden made the decisions a lot more interesting instead of before where you could just pick all the best players all the time. You had to sort of balance out if the top players were worth it, especially if they were going to potentially drop in price or if it was better going some cheaper guys who are going to rise in price and also help you fill out a bench lineup. So I think like with the prices the way it is here, I think the beginning of the season is actually a little more interesting on how different teams can be. And of course, price change was just one of the changes that we had uh, for this 2018 season. Uh, there were a lot more and it, at least one of them, the split season worked out in your favor this year. Um, how, and you've been playing for a while. So how do you think the, the games evolved? Do you, do you like the changes? What, what's your general impression of, of the state of the game right now? So I think most of the changes they've made have ended up being pretty good. I think the absolute best change that they made was changing the pricing system to being based on player performance instead of the one where you base it on how many people transferred in players or transferred them out in each week. I remember there was times of everybody tracking them on websites and seeing when they were going to change at like 2 a.m. or stuff. But that always just ended up being based on bandwagons instead of really trying to pick the best players yourself. And I think this system is way better. I know a fantasy premier league does it the other way, but I think MLS has it right, right there. Uh, the one thing that this year with the, the lineup substitutions that you can make right before the game, it does make it more of a time commitment. Uh, it's been fun for me as I've been pushing to get a high rank. I think it's good overall. And if you can't track the lineups that week, it's probably best to just, do a regular bench switcheroo of leaving players on the bench and having them come in. But I know that it's a little tricky for some people because you do have to put some more time into it this year since you can make changes as soon as the lineups come out. Sure. Yeah. It's a fair criticism. We've heard a lot of that uh, from other, other people as well, trying to find that balance between the lineup watching and, and just kind of set a set it and forget sort of team. Um, Clearly, I think there'll be some more changes for 2019 whenever when that comes along. What is one change that you would like to see for the 2019 game? So the one change that I would like to see most is probably have the price changes more like it was last year. I understand why they did the system the, the way this year, because it 
makes the uh, players' prices change quickly and more reflect their performance. But you also end up with the weird things where a player can have a really good game and end up dropping in price, or they come off the bench for 15 minutes and they drop in price. <laughs> so I, I'm more of a fan of it just being based on the week before. So that way, if you hit some good players, you, you get a price rise for your team. If you have a bad week, then you see that drop a little bit. Maybe there's some way in between the systems, but I do like it a bit more if it's more purely based on the last week's performance. Okay, well, let's start talking about uh, some of the resources and the way you make your decisions and major decisions for for the spring season. Uh, what are some of your favorite resources to use when you're trying to decide what transfers you're going to make for the round? And do you have... Uh, a way that you try to find a balance between the advice you see from the general public or the peanut gallery, whatever you want to call them, uh, and your gut. Yeah, so once I started getting higher in the ranks, like last year, finishing fourth, and this year, I definitely started seeking out more advice, trying to get as much as possible because there's something really big to play for for those top finishes. So I think the MLS Fantasy Boss Discord chat is really good, especially if you're trying to make a decision at the last minute. There's really good fantasy players on there who can give advice or you can see what they're doing. I definitely listen to this podcast each week, follow the yes. articles on the website and Roadwire. Those are definitely helps. And at the last thing that I check is actually the betting lines for the game each week. Uh, I think the, that helps the most with clean sheet chances because you essentially should probably choose the biggest favorites each week, Have probably have the best clean sheet odds every time so i think that's a big help and it's not something that every fantasy player easily sees out but it's a pretty helpful for setting the lineup but in the end when you're taking listening to other advice or taking your own stuff i think you have to go with your gut in the end because every in in other fantasy sports it works the same way if you make a call because somebody told you to do it or you read it in an article and that you were thinking, maybe I shouldn't do that, and it goes wrong, you're always going to remember that. So I think in the end, you have to play your gut decision. It's just there's a lot of good resources out there to start figuring out what the best players are for that week. Do you have a favorite stat when you're looking at those? Because I know over the years, a lot of us have talked about uh, points per game, points for 90. We've got XG now, some of those things. Do you have a favorite stat you like to look at? Uh, the My favorite one that's like – it's pretty basic, but it's actually – really good for like sorting out the central lineups is just the fantasy points per game on the at home and fantasy points per game on the road because sometimes you you see a player who has a road matchup and you're trying to wonder if they're still good enough to play well if you can easily compare that road player with a home player that helps makes your decisions a lot easier so i think that's a good one to check out i usually sort of do it on my own a little bit just because if you try to there isn't an easy way to find that on the fantasy page, but I think that's a good way to make the lineup decisions is if you can tell that you're a player is really strong at home, they may be worth putting in your lineup. So that's a great lead into the, my, my next question here. It sounds like I may know your answer, but talking about points at home, points away, that falls into some of those traditional fantasy conversations, arguments at times. So I feel like this one's pretty settled. Um, where do you fall on, home versus away players and, and loading up on double game week players. Where do you sort of fall on your opinions of these classic fantasy conversations? So for home versus away, as soon as they switch 
to the unlimited transfers that became really important because it wasn't a matter of keeping in players over the long haul. It's just this week. And I think that it, home versus away is really huge, even more than like some other experts who still pick some of the away players like three or four a week. I really stick to those home games. It's usually sometimes it, all my 11 is home players, usually maybe one or two a week on the road and that's it. It's just surpri- like it was surprising when I first saw how even the best MLS teams struggle on the road. So I think that's a bigger impact than especially new players realize. And also for double week, I basically max out on double week players any chance I get. And I know the biggest reason why, especially new players, don't do that is because you'll always remember when a player like Valeri this week only plays one game. And that sets you back. But in the long haul, the double week players just score more. You saw that. That's the reason why the scores were all in, in the like 120s, 130s, 140s this week, because those double week players can just pay off so much. So I would always go with a double week play over a single week player. That's Unless it's one of those weeks where only one team's on a double week and maybe they have two away games and they're bad, every other time you got to go with that. All right. I have a few more questions here. And then, of course, Mike can can jump in at any point or have him a little Q&A at the very end here. But I want to know, and I think others, what are you going to do with all these winnings? Uh, well, like I said, I ended up moving into a new house the week before the spring season ended. So putting the money to buying some new things in the house. That's a, always a good thing to do. But whenever I actually get that gift card in the mail, I'm definitely going to go out to a fancy steak dinner or something to actually celebrate and have fun with once I get the money. But, you need to get some swag for the house. Too. I mean, that's <laughs> be important to honor your win. Um, besides just picking the highest scoring players, it, the higher scoring players, or, or picking, make sure you get the best player on there on week like you did with Piotti, uh, is there anything maybe strategy-wise or planning-wise that you would do different looking back on the spring season? Uh, I think the biggest thing is that I didn't realize at first since it was a new rule just how big the switcheroos are and that they really can let you get some big scores with not a huge amount of risk if you put some players who play early in the week on your bench so you can see how they do and then react to it later. And my final question for you, uh, before I turn this over to Mike, what advice is in general do you have for our listeners and new players who are just starting to get into the game? Uh, so I, biggest advice I would say is there's a lot of good fantasy resources out there. So I would use those to help make your decisions. It, it helps teach you about the game. I know that especially since it was just four years ago where I knew basically next to nothing about MLS and through all these things that that's really helped me a lot. So the podcast, fantasy articles, Discord chat, follow those. But also my advice would be don't get overwhelmed. If you have like a couple bad weeks, that really happens to every team. Even the ones who finish at the top have some weeks where they just think everything went wrong. So I'd say don't get too discouraged. And a couple of bad weeks, you can still end up having a successful season. All right, Mike, some questions you want to throw in? Uh, Sure. Uh, Todd, you talked about looking at other people's lineups to see uh to make sure that you had some of the common players and, and that to, so you could rely more on your differentials um I, I guess my part is a two-part question one is how do you pick 
uh, what those differential players are that really make you stand apart from the rest of the crowd. And two is how many of those players do you try to have on an average basis? So each week I tend to come up looking at this, like the point per game stats, and I have my basic rankings of how I think the players are on my own. I really wouldn't suggest moving around too much based on other people's lineups unless you really start getting near the end of the season. Because if you start following that all the time, you'll end up making mistakes or you won't get enough differentials. I think the best way is to just seek out advice, but come up with your own picks instead of following other lineups too much. I really only think that helps at the end of the season if you have someone in a head-to-head league you're trying to edge out or someone in the standings, then you can start seeing how they are to try and change up your lineup a little bit. Gotcha. Uh, that's all I had. It was great listening to, to how you got to the championship. Oh, I wish I was there with the shake dinner. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be fun. Maybe get some send some uh, pictures out on Twitter and share those and say this dinner is courtesy of MLS Fantasy. I think that would be fun. <laughs> that would be a good photo moment. Uh, well, thank you so much, Todd, for having this little interview with us, sharing your your advice and tips and strategies for everyone who is still working on trying to win the fall season right now and people to have considerations as we go into 2019 in a few months after that. Uh, Going to keep on with the rest of the show. We have a few games this week. It's a limited schedule, but we'll be here to help give us thoughts as well. Uh, games start Wednesday, September 5th at 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, teams on a bye week, a whole bunch. In fact, it's just easier to tell you which teams are playing this round because it's only seven. We have New York City FC starting things out with a double home, double game week. We also have New England, D.C. United, Sporting Kansas City, Orlando, Portland, and Colorado, all as the single game week teams. Uh, so the one thing I can say about this week is it's going to be super easy to get your garbage players $4 million on the value in your bank. You have you, you have fun with it. Get get a get a rainbow of players down there on your bench this week. Uh, it's it's going to be super easy to get those those buy players. Patreon plug, real quick, guys. Thank you so much for continuing to support. Have a great update. Stickers have been ordered. I have an ETA. Should be getting the 2018 stickers in middle of next week. And I hope to start sending out packages for people that weekend and the weekend after as well. So uh, lots of great things coming. I think everyone's going to like the sticker. It's got a very classic MLS feel to it that I think everyone's going to love. Uh, Mike seen it. Did you, did you like it, Mike? I did. Yep, I, th I think it's going to be good. So get excited. Uh, and thank you so much for just continuing to support and be part of this, this project, this labor of love that we have to make the MLS Fantasy Insider podcast and uh, to create this community and reward you with the prizes and swag they're able to get out. If you're listening right now and don't know what that is, head over to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash M-L-S-F-I and find out how you can become a part of this community and uh, what you get back for helping us support our basic costs like our hosting fees to be able to make this happen and available to everyone. And with that, Mike, the injury. And I'll just add that we do accept donations and steak. So if you happen to have a gift, gift card where you access to a lot of steak, you want to send it to us, we'd be more than happy to accept that. Right, Reed? Uh, you know, I like steak. I don't know if I want to have steak mailed to me, <laughs> especially if it's like steak. But, I mean, yeah, I like steak. 
<laughs> I mean, you know, I'll, I'll take anything. I'll be easy. Um, all right. Uh, injury news. Um, obviously, this week is not going to be as much injury as much as it is call-ups. Um, let's get to the players who are playing or who not will not be playing. For Sporting Kansas City, Rubio, Salui, Russell. For D.C., Ariola. For New York City, Ofori, Chano, Tajori, and Wallace are on international duty. For New York City, also, they will be missing Medina and Burgett for injury. Um, MLS hasn't updated its page yet, but I am I think uh, Alex Ring may be on warning. Uh, Tommy McNamara is already on warning. And then uh, Alex Callens has been dealing with an injury, so he's probably your big rotation risk. Um, those are the only players... Oh, excuse me. Uh, Yoshi Yotun um, is also um, been called up for Peru. Um, I haven't really done a deep dive into all of the other teams like New York or New England, DC, uh, and Colorado to double check to make sure they haven't had any call ups. But because, um, like I said, I just got back in from uh, Labor Day vacation. But I mean, those are the big names I think we were looking at and who have been called up. So um, if there's any more, I'll probably put out a list. Hopefully tomorrow, if the hurricane doesn't blow me out of work, but um, I'll put out a whole list of all the call-ups that'll affect fantasy tomorrow. Yeah, the only one I'd add, at least I need to double check. I think Ike Opara might be out on yellow card suspension for Kansas City this week. But to double check it, I know he got one in his last game, and I think that might be a suspension. Uh, he did. Yeah, so he's suspended. Thanks so much, both of you, for uh, those injury updates and call-up updates as well. You can get some some information about this on MLSsoccer.com. They do have a comprehensive call-up section. I think that will probably be the most helpful one since injuries uh, and are not always as quick to update. But you should be able to check the international call-ups, just, uh, I guess, regularly updated article. You might have to search for it uh, at MLSsoccer.com because they do have the call-up dates for uh, a lot of the players there. So look for those September ones. Now let's get into our round 28 preview, starting out with our lone double game week team. This is New York City FC versus New England and then versus D.C. Mike, let us know all about New York. Uh, well, I mean, obviously they've been struggling recently. I, I talked about Dome's kind of experimentation. Um, to say it's had mixed results is putting it nicely. But the thing is they haven't been struggling that much at home. They're still undefeated at home. Um, the draw against the Red Bulls I think was a pretty good result. Uh, and they're playing this week against two teams that are not good on the road. Um, even DC's successes recently have not included road successes. So um, even though they're thin, even though they've been struggling, and even though um, you know DC has been hot, I still think there's a lot of opportunities for points. Um, I think Son Johnson is probably your must-have keeper this week. Um, playing two games against teams that tend to struggle, um, I think is a a great opportunity. I don't know. Even though there are really good defensive clean sheet options from both Portland and Sporting Kansas City, your other two home players, I think you've got to double up for the shots um, with Sean Johnson. Uh, I would also probably look at Ibiega. Um, with Callens being hurt, I don't know how much he will play. Um, I, I would hope that Callens will play both, but you, you never really know. So um, he's your best bet to try to get 120 minutes, pretty much because he has to play. Um, the fullbacks, there's a little bit more depth with Matarita, um and and Sweat, so I think they're really a little bit more susceptible to rotation. Uh, in the midfield, um, if Ring doesn't get suspended, he's pretty much a must-play. Um, 
since Ofori is going to be gone, um, you may see Amagat get some time, unfortunately. Um, but I, either James Sands, who actually may play as corner, uh, as a, excuse me, as center back. Um, and then Scali might serve as the defensive midfield role. Uh, but I think Maxi Morales is almost certain to play. Um, if he does get rotated, it would be uh, Tommy McNamara. But I mean, with with a, Maxi Morales' potential and the fact that he's they're the only game team on a double game week, I think Maxi Morales is probably a must have this week too. And then up front, I guess the question is how much whether uh, or not Via gets rotated just to try to keep him fresh. Um, if he does get rotated, they are thin up front, so you're going to see Lewis get some time because Tajuri, Wallace, and Berger and Medina are all out. So I'm thinking that Via and Lewis are pretty much must plays, that one will be um, stubbing out for the other. So I think either of those are viable options. It just depends what your budget is. Uh, personally, I'm going with Via, but uh, because he gets, gets shots and is a more consistent player. But uh, I mean, this is definitely a four player from New York City week. Uh, I don't have uh, the New York and DC teams pulled out separately for our single game week conversation. So I'll give you guys both an opportunity to jump in here. Uh, yeah, definitely agree. New York City being a four team, uh, four player team this week. Are you targeting anyone from New England and DC as potential switcheroo options? Uh, I threw in Fagundes on on the bench. Uh, um, right now I have Acosta uh, from D.C. on the bench. I, I do think either way, if you're going to use them, the bench is the right way to go since you'll see them early in the week and you can take them out if you don't want their score. But with the call-ups and everything, it could be a little less defensive uh, for New York City than before. So there is a little bit of an opportunity, but the bench is the way to go if you want to play either, either of these road teams. All right, well, let's move on to our single game week teams here. Uh, Todd, we're going to give you the opportunity to go first here. Kind of a tough one, I think. Sporty Kansas City versus Orlando. Yeah, so the biggest issue here is that essentially the whole front line for Sporting Kansas City is gone. So that will make things interesting. Orlando does not have a good defense, so normally you would probably want to load up on Kansas City attack. And I think you can actually still – there's some interesting picks there, and they'll be at a cheaper value. The problem is we just haven't seen them play too much. So I, I think Gerso is a lock to start. We probably will see Nemeth start for the first time. And uh, there's some really cheap midfield options in Buzio, who may start, or I think it's – my pronunciations are always bad, but Croizet. Uh, so – I think Kansas City has some interesting options, but even with the call-ups, Orlando on the road against a good team in a playoff battle, I think you have to go heavy on Kansas City. All right, Mike, wrap us up. Uh, Portland versus Colorado. Well, if, if Diego Valeri does actually play, I think this will be a, a pretty decent match. I mean, now, I, I can see Portland having some trouble with this because Colorado is a team that isn't interested in the ball. Um so I think Portland is at its best when it's not interested in having the ball and playing on the counter. Um, so I can think this could be a very frustrating low-scoring game simply because neither team is all that interested in scoring. So for me, I, I've loaded up on two Portland defenders, um, and I could see maybe even bringing in more. Um, with the the issues with Sporty Kansas City that Todd talked about, I think Valeri is pretty much a must-have because you're so short on midfielders. Um, you pretty much have to have Valeri this week, I think. Um and then I have the two Portland defenders um, just because I think it's probably one of the best clean sheet shots 
Uh, we know Orlando is a decent opportunity to score, so I think Portland is a, a really good clean sheet chance. Um, for Colorado, um, I don't have a whole lot. I mean, maybe throwing Kellen Acosta on the bench. Um, I could also see Jackson um, coming off the bench. He got a red card in the last game, so I think he's eligible for, for this game now. So uh, he's 4.0, so he doesn't cost you too much to put him on the bench. So if you're kind of struggling with the budget but we still want to have um, Otteriz, I think that's an option. Uh, anything else? Because that's that's it as far as it goes uh, for teams this week. Anything else that either one of you want to add about the games before we move on to our player picks? Uh, just that's a good week to load up on home players because that's about all there is with the four games. All right, and like we said, Wednesday, September 5th is when New York City kicks things off against New England. Everything else comes out on September 8th, starting at uh, 4.55, again with New York and D.C., so uh, keep an eye on that. Now, time for the player picks. Let's start out with keepers. Mike? Uh, before I do that, I'm going to correct myself because I had to think, well, like, wait a minute, I don't remember what Colorado's game was this week, and that's because they didn't play. So Jackson and Boateng are actually suspended for this week for their red cards from uh, RSL. So I apologize. I was wrong on that. Um, but at least I caught it before the end of the podcast instead of after the podcast, which is when I usually catch my mistakes. Um, goalkeeper, I think it's Sean Johnson this week. Um, I mean, the single-game week players are good, but I think you want to take two shots at the clean sheet this week. Uh I'm going Sean Johnson, too. The one thing I'll note is just to play it safe, I would start a bykeeper and put Sean Johnson on the bench. Both his games take place before the Kansas City or Portland games. So if he gets injured or a red card or something crazy, you can start another keeper. But Sean Johnson is my keeper for this week. Do you have a preferred keeper route? Uh, it would probably depend on how I – Many people I could fit in the lineup, but I probably would go Portland for the keeper room. He's a little cheap, too. Because both Atnella and Malia are pretty expensive people. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to switch in, and hopefully it should be fine with two games. But (laughs) it is easy to play it safe since there's no downside of having him on the bench. Right, And we've already talked about it might be an easy week to actually have some extra cash on hand, so that might be a good way to spend it, yeah. Uh, for myself, I am uh, also looking at Johnson uh, as as my lone keeper option for this round to help save some cash. Uh, moving on to defenders, Todd. So this is a week where I'm loading up on defense. So I'm playing five, I'm four in the starting lineup. Right now I have Tinnerholm, Zussi, Valentin, Maviala, and I have Sinovich on the bench. Mike. Uh I'm going to correct my, or not necessarily correct myself, but point out, I think Atanella may be dealing with a hamstring issue. So maybe able to get Clark, um, who's pretty cheap from uh, Portland. So that may make a keeper uh, a pretty budget friendly option this week. Um, as far as my defensive line, I have Ibieha, Mabiala, Valentin. Um, I have an Otteru candidate and then Zuzi. Uh, as for myself on the defense, it's, it's all blue and green for me. I've got Zuzi. Maviala. I have Cascante right now. Uh, I don't know. I wanted a second Portland one. I had Valentin. Originally I had Valentin in there, then I was fooling around before the show started with the way to maybe get uh, an Acosta switcheroo going on. So uh, Valentin is probably my my top pick for a Portland pa- pairing with Maviala. And I have Beasler right now, but I could easily go with someone uh, less expensive to help shape some of that money off. Moving on to midfielders, Mike. 
Uh, I have Morales, Valeri, and right now Gutierrez um, in the, my starting midfielder. And then I have Fagundes and Kellen Acosta on the bench. God. I have Morales, Valeri, Blanco. And then on the bench, I have uh, Acosta and Ilias Sanchez, who I think is on PKs for Kansas City. So that plus bonus points is a decent bench play. Uh, I again have a blue and green midfield. I have Ring, Morales, Valeri, and Blanco myself right there. Uh, moving into forwards. Uh, see here, Todd, who do you like? So all I have is David Villa and two 4.0s right now. If I switch around later and really want to get in a cheap Kansas City option that's available, and I think even a last-minute change would be McBean if everything goes wrong with my bench from Colorado. But hopefully I don't need to use that and just have two forward blanks. Mike? Uh, I have Villa and Nemeth um, starting right now. I mean, Nemeth is kind of a placeholder for me. And then I have uh, Dwyer on the bench. Uh, for myself, I have uh, Via and Gerso right now. But like my Gerso's kind of a kind of a placeholder right now. I could easily move myself to just a, a single forward, like like you were talking about, Todd. It's it's a interesting time for for forwards for round twenty eight with so so few options and not necessarily having confidence in the away teams. But uh, Via and Gerso right now for me more strongly on Via. Captains, Mike. Uh, I have it on Maxi Morales. Odd. A hard to pass, pass up Maxi Morales this week. And I also have it on Morales. And clean sheet picks, Todd. Uh, all the home teams are pretty good this week. I think New York City is the best option just because they have two games. But then I might give Portland the slight edge over Kansas City just because I don't trust the Colorado attack. Mike. Yeah, I would say your your ranking is New York City first, Portland second, Sporting Kansas City third, and then Orlando fourth because I don't know who's going to score for Sporting Kansas City. So even as bad as Orlando is, there's a chance this week. So <laughs> the betting lines, that's what Todd says. Uh, yeah, no, uh, clearly from the, uh, the blue and green defense I was already talking about at the beginning, um, I'm looking at – at uh, New York, Portland, and Kansas City as well. Um, the home teams, like Todd says, the home teams this week. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much for all those game breakdowns and that, that great advice, Todd, yourself, and the, the player recommendations. So we're going to move on to our community time, talking about the host head-to-head week. This was a fun one. Uh, I think this is the second week in a row I have squeezed past and gotten a win myself uh, on one point. I beat Ivan from Fantasy Football 24-7, 124-123. to So uh, that was a pretty exciting game for me. Helped me stay as a triple tie for number one in this league with uh, Kyle from MLS Fantasy Boss, with Phil, who was on the show last week, and then myself all at 5-0-0. And then we're followed up by several guys with a 4-0-1 score including tim who was on the show a couple weeks ago uh older goaler a great supporter for us matt who's going to be matt pollard is going to be on the show later this month um and then uh, anderson over at mls Therapy stats who he and i were the ones who were talking on twitter about san jose so check that out uh and he also does some 
contributions uh, on Reddit, I believe, from time to time. So a uh, great little little group we have right here in the host invitation. Uh, Phil did amazing, I have to say, overall. So I hope you listened to a lot of his advice. This round, he topped the score charts uh, in our league. He had 158 points, I believe is what it was. Yeah, 158 points for Phil. Blew everybody else out of the water. Closest to him after that was Blaine with 141. So uh, Blaine also had a pretty good round. And then we'll give a, a Weeby update right here. And he lost to Tim, 139 to 77. So uh, that's – thanks. Thanks, Andrew. The lowest score of the round, I also have to say, uh, there was someone who scored 78, but they also have the, the knowledge knowing that they beat – Andrew Weeby, and I'm not talking about the team that's not setting their lineup anymore, so that doesn't count. <laughs> it happens. Uh, Todd, are you in any fun leagues? Uh, your your buddies from work, do they, they have a league for you? Uh, so my Dynamo fan friends have a league. Unfortunately, a lot of them have not followed up too much in the in the fall here. But uh... blame that on you for just <laughs> But other than that, I think the big thing is the Fantasy Boss Chat Regs uh, League overall. I luckily continued their streak of having a number one overall finisher. So we're trying that again uh, for this fall half. So hopefully we someone from the Chat Regs can pull it off. I don't <laughs> think it'll be me this time. Well, you can only get a prize once for me. So there you go. <laughs> this, this year, once per year. So there you go right there. Uh, Mike, from you? No, I mean this boring heads-to-heads league with like Andrew Weeby and Ben Bear, and they're just terrible. Nothing to talk about. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you so much. That's all that we have for the show today. It's just our plugs. Todd. Okay, so the one thing I have to plug are the three Dynamo fans who got me into fantasy in the first place. Fair. They are Jarrett Mathwig, Jennifer, and Daniel Peterson. I know they're frustrated that I'm beating them each year now. It, when I didn't even know that much about soccer a few years ago, but it's been fun and I'm glad they got me into it. Yes. Big shout out to you three for, uh, for helping tie it into everything. Mike. Uh, Adam Ellis injury news, you know, weeks when I'm on vacation is when it helps most when y'all point stuff out. So appreciate the help. And of course for me, you can check out everything over at MLSFantasyBoss.com. Uh, the Wednesday turnarounds do make it rougher. We try to get out as much as we can before the games kick off with our charts and our XG numbers and the captain's article. Uh, it's all out there to check it out. Head over to Reddit. A lot of stuff gets aggregated over there. Todd talked about stuff from Rotowire. That's over there. MLS Fantasy Boss. Other little articles that people put up all find its way over to Reddit. So that's a good place to go at r slash fantasy MLS. I will not have an article this week with player picks. Instead, if you've already listened, it's going to be the article interview with Todd. So if you've already read that and found the podcast or just read it and uh, thought, hey, I didn't need the podcast, you're not hearing this. And so that's okay. But um, check out Skylar's rankings for this round. Seven teams playing. That should help you find the, the teams that have the best options. Paired that with our podcast. Paired that with all the advice over there on Reddit and elsewhere on this wide internet that we have, and you should be in for a great little short week right here. Enjoy the international games, and good luck. <laughs>